0: Accessed the omnibus addenda volume 2 entry 1049.de 1811 certificate number 37329 reindeer wizards
1: reindeer wizards have be- become uh you know at the time we added this entry to the time capsule i thought of it as kind of a forgotten slice of history yeah that uh that the West believed that the, a lot of the indigenous people of Lapland were powerful shamans who could control the weather. But has
0: that? Uh, have we seen a resurgence in people believing that the Laplanders control the weather?
1: This is now, well, the relationship between the Nordic peoples and shamans have been very much in the news lately. On, Are you going to teach the, the controversy fronts. here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, they can and they can't control the weather. Uh, a listener in Norway, Torkil, I hope I'm saying that right. Hello, Torquil. Uh, Was disappointed that we did not mention the biggest news in Norway at the time we recorded this, actually related to uh, both Scandinavia and shamans. I don't know if you know this about
0: Scandinavians, but disappointment is one of their main emotional states. Is that. Uh, they're disappointed in you, they're disappointed in themselves. Is that the most they
1: allow themselves to, to that's feel? It. That's it. That, that's what they feel on Christmas morning. Uh, because they won't actually express anger, right? They will... Uh, oh, st- sternness, I yes. think, is
0: how that comes out.
1: Stern disappointment. Yeah. Uh, it, it's where we get our, our Seattle passive-aggressive That's right. It ethos. comes from our Norwegian friends. Our Norwegian friends and, and ancestors. So the biggest news in Norway uh, was uh, reindeer-based news, uh, it's less reindeer based but it's very much shamanism based uh you know the scandinavia is no longer led by uh, a bunch of shamans with rattles and drums disappointingly I'm s- but sorry to say it may be again martha louise apparently a 47 year old princess of the norwegian royal family mm-hmm. um the sister of of Håkon, the crown prince to the throne so i i assume this is the the princess anne to the prince charles of mm-hmm. of norway um you know she will she will not be queen. She's not the she's not the eldest, but uh, she announced on Instagram. I guess she recently divorced. She divorced her husband in twenty sixteen. She announced on Instagram that she has a new boyfriend. Okay. Uh, who is a shaman. Oh. But not yeah. a, a Laplander. Okay. Uh, in fact. He's an American. He appears to be a, a, a Los Angeles shaman. Okay. He's one a,
0: of my favorite kind.
1: He's an African-American guy named Durek Verret. That is an s- extremely shamanistic name. Wouldn't you take life advice from a guy named Durek Verret?
0: Yeah, well, I don't know if I would, but I can understand why where someone else would.
1: He seems like he's already ready for a Norwegian royal family. His name sounds like he's some kind of elf or dwarf or troll. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know from the... Um, as we know from the Thor cinematic
0: universe, it turns out that uh, that Vikings actually are multiracial. Uh, there's no, they're, it, they're not just
1: uniformly Norwegian looking. It just turns out that the ancient Norse peoples they presented themselves to were so racist that they erased mm. the, the uh, Valar and Aesir of color. Right. And pretended that, uh, what, Heimdall? That Heimdall was white. Mm-hmm. And the one Asian one mm-hmm. whose name also, I don't remember. Right. It might be Hogan. I'm not Hogan? sure. Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> Are you Asian? <laughs> no, Mr. Verrett is a, uh, is an LA shaman in the new age sense. He's a spirit hacker. Oh yeah. Sure. Uh,
0: Gwyneth Paltrow.
1: Okay. Gwyneth Paltrow is among his, his, uh, list of fans. Well, then we know it and, has to be true. And clients. Uh, the, the, the princess, her, uh, her royal highness, Martha Louise, says on Instagram, when you meet your twin flame, you know. I have been lucky enough to have met mine. At Shaman Durek, um, she presumably calls him Shaman Durek, has changed my life like he does with so many. Hopefully not in the exact same way he does with so many.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs>
1: I hope he's, not, uh, hope he's not getting engaged to all his clients. He has made me realize that unconditional love actually exists here on this planet. He embraces all of me without question or fear. And it looks like she's uh, already predicted some kind of Meghan Markle style backlash for dating an American celebrity type. And possibly, this is always an issue in Europe, a non-white one. Right. She says, it is not up to you to choose for me or to judge me, she wrote. Um, hey, your highness, we didn't actually. I don't choose my man to satisfy any of you or the norms or boxes you have chosen in my mind for me to be in. Well, uh, to be fair, I didn't say, I don't thrive there, nor do I exist in your illusion about me. I choose from love and that's it. Yeah, I choose from love. So she's proactively making sure no one has any arguments about her shaman.
0: I worry a little bit about someone who is describing their new love interest as a shaman, right? Because like, well, it
1: just seems to is me the relationship like, based now on his mystical powers. It feels it feels a little
0: bit like Rajneesh Purim There, I, I feel like if you love a, a, a religious person, you need to have a human relationship with them. Maybe you should not – if you marry a psychologist uh, – That's just what I was thinking you don't want that psych. You don't want that spouse to be your psychologist.
1: He's a spirit hacker. So presumably she has the same kinds of feelings of gratitude and reliance on him that I might have on my therapist. Right. But there's a reason why my therapist is not allowed to date me.
0: If you're married to a minister, I feel like you need to have another minister what about for yourself. N-
1: what about a nun who's married to Christ? Is that Okay.
0: But Christ does not—does Christ claim to be a
1: priest? Yes. In the book of Hebrews, he is called the great high priest. By others. Yeah, he wouldn't call himself that. That would, right. be, it would be immodest. Right, right, right. Fun fact about Christ, he actually never calls himself the son of God. He always says he's the son of man. Of course. And, uh, you know, he'll say God is his father. And I, I actually said this in a Sunday school lesson a couple weeks ago. And got a lot of angry pushback Uh from from a woman who was visiting and did not realize that Sunday school was being taught by a seventy-four time Jeopardy champion, and she needed to dial it. Uh, So she was
0: she was a a visitor, but not a child. Sunday school is for children. She was just an observer.
1: Sunday school can be for adults. Oh, it can. If you're learning something, and it's Sunday. Did she look up from her Tupperware container of Snickers (laughs) salad and say, halt? So this is a reference that uh, has not aired on the Omnibus yet, John. You have caused a time warp by mentioning Snickers salad before it makes its Omnibus view. What an amazing perk for our paid subscribers. Look out. What a preview they're getting. (laughs) So yeah, presumably there should be some kind of shaman uh, advisory board that tells this guy he's going to lose his shaman credentials. And will not be able to control the weather anymore if he keeps dating his clients. This is the this is the Rasputin problem too, yes. right? Like you
0: want you don't want your you don't want to be under the spell of someone who's act, literally casting spells. ra rah Rasputin, <laughs> servant
1: of the Norwegian queen. The other way in which uh, the reindeer wizards have have uh, have become re- relevant again mm-hmm. is through Disney's. Frozen 2. Have you had to see Frozen 2 yet?
0: So I resisted Frozen 1 for a long time. And my daughter, I think I probably told you at one point, you know, Frozen 1 came out when she was just a very small
1: child. It wasn't even called Frozen 1 then. It, it was, was just, just called frozen. It was called The Great War. and
0: all And all the people, all the other children were in this Frozen cult. And it terrified me, both because the Frozen cartoons are drawn to look like UFOs, and I believe it's part of a desensitization uh, campaign on the part of our UFO masters. Hold on, you're
1: saying the standard Disney animated look with big eyes Big it's eyes and to tiny like, necks is designed to look like Alien Greys.
0: Is is designed by the Alien Greys <laughs> uh, through their uh, intermediaries at Disney to desensitize us and make us feel like Grays are cute.
1: It started with anime. Yeah. And this actually seems right that the aliens would go to Japan first. first get them on where board. Would be accepted? And That's then right. and then wash over the west like a wave.
0: So the more the more of these cartoons and you know if you look at if you go to the the store and you buy Bratz dolls instead of, you know, Bratz uh
1: Don't buy the sexy Bratz don't dolls. Don't buy the
0: Bratz dolls. Just don't do it. Have you have you seen Bratz dolls that have been repainted? There's a there's a I think a woman that her whole art is to take bratz dolls and give them regular features, and she repaints the little characters, and they look
1: like they're very pleasant little dolls. Like they have normal sized yeah. eyes. what She whatnot.
0: takes away the the eye makeup and the lip liner and everything. What about and,
1: their slutty slutty clothes?
0: Uh, I think she changes that into you know into nice like gingham dresses. She body shames <laughs> them <laughs> into submission. No, no, no. Their bodies are still beautiful. Okay. It's just that they don't they don't wear those tight fitting bodices.
1: All bodices. Are beautiful.
0: Anyway, I did not take her to see Frozen until it became an issue. Uh, and she it wasn't an issue that she raised. It was just that it, it was like I started to feel like she was one of those children in the 70s that grew up without a TV. And she was
1: being held back. She didn't get uh, Happy Days references and – Marlo's mom didn't have a TV as a kid. She was telling me. And I think one of her first movies was Fanny and Alexander in the theater.
0: (laughs) Her dad was taking her to
1: Bergman (laughs) movies and she'd never seen electric company.
0: So anyway, I took her, or no, we watched frozen on my computer one afternoon. And at the end, and we, we knew all the songs because we just, it was just received pronunciation from the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, And after we watched the movie, she was like, meh. And I was so, I was so, I felt so vindicated. She's she correct. just was like, Yeah, it's not, it's really not that great of a movie.
1: So. I said online once, uh, Tangled's a little better. And I was immediately buried. Murdered. Yeah. Yeah. I was.
0: Uh, anyway, Frozen 2 has been out for a while and she has, I guess she mentioned it once in passing, like, oh yeah, we should probably see Frozen 2 one of these days. And I was like, sure. And that's the last I've heard of it. And so I'm not like stampeding to the theater.
1: Frozen 2 is a puzzling and plot-dense sequel that involves- The uh, uh, Trade Federation? <laughs> kind of. We uh-huh. were actually discussing that in the car. <laughs> it's kind of the uh, uh, Phantom Menace of the Frozen franchise, just in that it, uh, it deals with a lot of specifics about things you wouldn't expect. For example, reparations to indigenous peoples. Really? The, uh, yeah. Since you, I mean, since you mentioned the Asgardians, yeah. the, uh, where are they from? The Arendellians yeah. are now scrupulously multiracial- even though they appear to be from Norway and read Hans Christian Andersen books and whatnot, right? Um, they all they also have uh, Asian and Latino and uh, Black members of their of their um, shipbuilding and fishing community, right? Presumably, uh, I don't know, immigrant or refugee population. No, no. It's just that the
0: the world the world that we live in is was unnaturally uh, segregated by a giant cataclysmic uh meteor that bounced all of the multicultural peoples into uh their own weird islands this which is a, then floated apart in the gaia bomb
1: so this is a parallel universe <laughs> this where, is three where uh norway is full of uh people of color yeah. and presumably madagascar has a few happy white folks right Interesting.
0: Yeah, that's my my theory is that uh, that that the world, the Marvel Universe world, is increasingly going to be one where everyone is everyone,
1: everything is everything. I want to see just some uh, just some white folks hanging out in Wakanda because they're like, uh, you know, they saw it on CNN, and they're like, <laughs> "Honey, we're going to sell our place on Park Slope and we're moving to Wakanda. It's where all the tech jobs are." Uh, the, uh, no, there's, yeah, there is a plot line about reparations. I don't want to spoil anything, Mm -hmm, but we're introduced to the, uh, the, the Aldra people, I think that, that live in kind of a a cursed enchanted wood far away from the fields we know. And they are reindeer herders. How are they depicted? They're in touch with the land. They look and dress like ethnic Sami. Oh, uh, Oh, wow. the, The same Laplander people that we discussed in the reindeer wizards episode right and they appear to have the same kind of uh magic powers they control the weather okay in a way they uh it's made clear that they don't have magic but they can also control all the elements earth air fire and water to the degree that they can walk on water or make uh snow and rain happen so basically they are that's not magic yeah no it's just uh (laughs) in the frozen universe it's very good science i think the 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 land itself is magic Uh, in order to keep queen uh Elsa? Uh, which, one can, which one can make ice? Uh, Agatha. Who's the little burmaid? Uh, I think it's Elsa. I think uh, Anna's the human.
0: Anna is the redheaded one. Elsa okay. is the is the queen of ice.
1: So we need, we need to keep Elsa's powers preeminent. We don't want everyone in her kingdom to be magic or it devalues the first movie. But the earth is magic and the... And the and, people who live in the magic earth can use its... Maybe not harness it. Maybe the earth decides. Yeah, you see them walking on water and presumably just... Cooking a trout that happily leaped into their arms, and uh,
0: so all this, although this is progressively dealing with reparations, it's
1: also very. Much, there's even a dam that gets blown up. Like it's wow. it's not subtle.
0: It's also very much part of this uh, um, Enlightenment era uh, Acadian. Uh, Like fetishization of of uh, noble savage, the noble savage, right? Pretty much who can uh, who somehow has greater knowledge of nature and is able to use their uh, their spooky action at a distance to make um, make the squirrels talk,
1: earth, air, fire, and water do their bidding.
0: It's really tough to be properly progressive in the modern era and not transgress in one direction or the other.
1: You got to be right down the plate. I'm kind of wondering if this is going to bring back these stereotypes from the Romantic era that ever where everyone thought that people in Finland could control the weather. Well, sure. Or, D- Disney's yeah, we're bringing wizards. it back. Right. Disney is now, it's now the official position of Walt Disney Company, the only media corporation left on earth that, uh, that the rural indigenous peoples of the Nordic countries, uh, Control the elements.
0: It is. It is a very. It's very easy if you if you adopt an anti-technologist uh, idea. That's that. That's very seductive, right? Because technology seems to be right at the root of so many of our difficulties. Um. But the. But then to believe that we have lost some spiritual connection to the earth that feels like magic that maybe. Feels like it should look like magic to us. Like, how to, how, to be, how to practice permaculture without practicing shamanism seems to be the challenge of the modern
1: time. Thanks to uh, Jihan, by the way, for pointing out the, uh, the relevance of the reindeer wizards to probably the biggest box office hit of, uh, of 2019.
0: Well, uh, Jihan and Torquil, on behalf of Ken and I, talk. Next up, entry 603.RV0511, certificate number 39095.
1: How many angels can dance on the head of a pin? We got a lot of uh, suggested addenda. From it, angels? Yes, giving first person accounts. From pin makers. <laughs> well, uh, who I has mean, a dog in this race? Philosophers. One of my favorite things that we received were uh, from uh, Joshua, who has access to an electron microscope. Oh, he, he seems a, like our guy. Here. He has a scanning electron microscope up at work, and he uh, sent us pictures of the- Head of a pin? Head of a... He had a needle. So it's it's pretty close. So you yeah. could see what the terrain would look like if you were to try to dance on the- on the tip of a pen.
0: And is there a flat space? Is there a dance
1: floor? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's actually, there's there's little microscopic craters. It's, uh, it looks as if, yeah, so here's his first picture is a head-on view of the head of a needle. And there's actually like a little, a little crater or dimple somehow in the head. So there there would be room for a dance floor.
0: Is it, w- would there be room for a, uh, like a lucite floor that had
1: flashing lights underneath it? <laughs> Little Tony Monero, uh, disco mm-hmm. action. Yeah, probably. If the angels are going to dance, they're going to disco dance, right? Sure. And that, this, this was a, that was a, a point we received from, uh, Ted, who thought we did not spend enough time. Actually c- considering the, the dancing element, the source. Cause it says can dance. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Are are there angels who are not good dancers, for example? Uh, Ted's point of view is that angels can do anything. They're nearly omnipotent. Ted can dance. (laughs) (laughs) Are they the dead? Are they the dead can dance? (laughs) Uh, So his answer would be all of them. All the angels can dance because they are all skilled dancers. They can dance, but will they dance? Would they dance? I'm kind of wondering. Like, I'm wondering if uh, often in religious traditions, dancing is frowned upon.
0: Right. It's it's certainly a- in the movie Footloose it is.
1: Well, that's what I'm wondering. What if heaven is a footloose kind of scenario where God is a John Lithgow figure? I mean, dancing is a bodily expression. Presumably the angels would not get the same kind of thrill from from shaking it that we do. Well, yeah, you're going to have different Angels have different personalities,
0: right? There are going to be angels that are like, "Come on, come on, why don't you ever dance with me?" And there are going to be angels that are like,
1: "Uh, I just feel like uh, yeah, ima- maybe, imagine doing the dance you know, floor lasso to an angel, and he's just some Germanic angel. No, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I do not dance. I'm standing here. I don't know why he's Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: Well, it dep- I guess it depends on like, are they? Yeah, are they like? Are they Scandinavian angels? Are they? Are they? You know, like passionate Mediterranean angels? Are they
1: Charlie's angels?
0: Oh, are they, they dance. Go undercover. Well, no, two of them. Well, no. Wait a minute. Which Charlie's angel is the best dancer? It depends on which era of Charlie's Angel we're talking.
1: About. I don't even know if I can picture a lot of dancing going on. Is Farrah Fawcett a good dancer? I, I would. Gonna, I, I'm going to say no. My, my really? impulse is to say Farrah Fawcett's not a good dancer. You're going to say that because she's
0: blonde, and you have a, you have a. A, uh, a kind of prejudice against the rhythm, the rhythmicness yeah. of blonde. She's going
1: to be a kind of a brittle blonde who has looked so good her whole life. She doesn't have to worry about moving good. Well. Is that not true? Uh, Does she dance in the burning bed?
0: I would say, I would say that Kate Jackson of the original Charlie's Angels is the best dancer. Because she's got that kind of I don't she's know. A, she's got a dancer's a live dancer's body. Yeah, and she's the got the tomboy can do spirit. I'm gonna say that Jacqueline Smith is the one that can't dance. She's just too elegant. Mm. Fair is like a you know, she's a gal of the people. Farrah wears jeans. You
1: can't dance like nobody's looking if everybody's always looking at you.
0: Yeah. I feel like I feel like I feel like it's but Kate Jackson, she's gonna be the she's gonna be the dancer. And then, you know, once you introduce Cheryl Ladd into the equation, I bet Cheryl Ladd can dance. Don't even get me started on Tanya Roberts. Big time dancer. The, the, uh, all these sure, all these angels could dance on the head of any pin that you've got. I was about to say dance on the head of my pin, but that's not in the spirit of omnibus.
1: No, we don't do that kind of a thing. Uh, the number one critique we got on this episode is that we were quite open about not knowing what the adjectival form of Thomas Aquinas' name was. I think hmm. we said Aquinian. We said right. Aquinasian. Right. We said uh, Aquinas-esque, maybe mm-hmm. acquiescent. And
0: what would? and what would the answer be?
1: Uh, apparently, everyone knew this, but us. Patrick was among the first to tell us that uh, it's be, maybe because his last name is so in for for uh, turning into an adjective. You actually say Thomistic.
0: Oh, with an
1: H. Thomistic. Even though no one says, what, what does Thomas say about this? You always say Aquinas. Right but the adjective would be thomistic thomistic because and the
0: only reason is because no one could agree on what Aquaninian was
1: yeah there was a room full of medieval Aquinius. scholars trying their own uh, terrible adjectives of uh, of aquinas another critique we got was from bill uh, apparently we mentioned the jehovah's witnesses at some point i don't remember how this would have happened sure comes you up. and i love homegrown american religions tends to come up me more than you i mm-hmm. spend uh, i spend a seventh of my week there <laughs> Uh, and, although, hey, I mean, although I'm not there, I'm with you in spirit. I appreciate that. Yeah. the uh, The Jehovah's Witnesses we mentioned the Jehovah's Witnesses, and and uh, I think I mentioned that I had as a former missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Every Mormon missionary is jealous of the Jehovah's Witnesses because they don't really knock doors much anymore. They just stand in public places with a with right. an easel.
0: I and I, I think I might have mentioned in the episode that they uh, they bring. Um, pads now i've noticed that jehovah's
1: witnesses are they're, standing. they're gonna be there that long they're not gonna go to the bathroom no but not not that kind of pad no
0: oh. they the, you know those like padded floor mats that you use in <sighs> in kitchens really they bring them and stand on these like padded mats so they don't they're not even experiencing the same amount of joint fatigue the jehovah's witnesses have flat feet they well or they've figured it out maybe they've got special arch support in their in their uh their brown shoes.
1: Anyway, I implied that uh, that they were much smarter at meeting their quota. And uh, Bill, a, a listener who is a practicing Jehovah's Witness, told me that the witnesses do not have quotas, quotas at all. Right. There's no n- no deacon or whatever elder will call you aside and say, "Hey, uh, how many doors did you knock?"
0: Does the LDS have quotas?
1: No, I mean, uh, no, like, no. I mean, it's it's full, it's young full time kids, so it's right. supposed to be your full time job. Right. Like, you should, you're doing that nine to five.
0: But at the end of the day, if you don't, if you don't have like, like 10 locks of hair, you don't get electric shocks or
1: something. <laughs> no. I mean, I assume there is some kind of numerical reporting just so they can tell who's, well, you did it. Sitting you, around. Should, you should know. Yeah. I think, but it just varies by, oh, but it you varies were in Spain, by area. So
0: nobody was watching you.
1: <laughs> I think we were supposed to uh, try to start a conversation with 20 people a day. Oh. Which, oh. you know, is not what an introvert wants to hear. No. But the conversation can be about anything, right? Sure. No, no. You have to be telling them to change religions.
0: Oh. Oh, so you can't just say like, how oh, much is this tostada? One.
1: Or, uh, hey, how did Real Madrid do yesterday? <sighs>
0: right. That's do, a great conversation.
1: Do you starter. like tapas? <laughs> Spaniards are delightful people and, and love to chat with you, but, um, but not to people who look like they're about to say, but don't you want to come to church with me on Sunday? Right.
0: And Spaniards in Madrid have a different uh, approachability than they would say in... Valencia.
1: I believe in the south they would
0: be friendlier. Is that your take? That's typically the typically what would they say about everywhere in the south? They're friendlier. Okay. Next entry eight one three four three four. Certificate number two one eight seven nine. Msg. A thing that I believe strongly is a. a um, a hallucinogen, despite all
1: evidence. Nobody uh, did. Anybody nobody believes did in anybody, science more than me. Did anybody support you in your uh, in the community? Uh,
0: most of the uh, most of the futurelings that are presentlings are uh, they are very science based for the most part, except for those that are uh, practicing homegrown homegrown religions, and even those I think would claim that they were science based. And so every time I say something that is, that questions science. I'm treated like an anti-vaxxer for at least a week in the comment section. I'm teased. I'm mercil- mercilessly drugged behind the van of Omnibus on the dirt road. I'm um, I'm super-duper, like, shamed.
1: You're persecuted for your
0: beliefs. I am. And even though I know that when I eat something with MSG in it, it gives me weird feelings, uh, I'm resoundingly mocked.
1: We still have not done the double blind test. That's true. Uh, Philip reminded me that there had actually been a new development in the story of the demonization of MSG in the way in the West. okay. That we did not cover on the show. I think because it postdated. It, it happened actually in I think 2018, and it postdated the the articles I had read, the oh, journal articles I had read about okay. the history of monosodium glutamate. So if you recall on the show. Our whole worry in in the West about Chinese restaurant syndrome and what MSG is doing to us, um, it began with a letter to a to the New England Journal of Medicine from a Robert Homan Quack, um, who talks about uh, the symptoms he gets after eating Chinese food. Uh-huh. Um, in January 2018, a, a food scientist who had been writing about this case. uh, No, not a food scientist. I'm sorry. Professor of rhetoric who had written an article about the rhetoric of, uh, of the MSG controversy had written about Dr. Quack's letter as kind of the, the ground zero of the MSG stuff. After her article was published, she got a voicemail message from a fellow alumnus of Colgate university. I guess she was at Colgate. Uh, A Dr. Howard Steele, A 97-year-old man who said, I am Dr. Ho Man Kwok. What? I guess he was a young orthopedic surgeon in the late 60s who was getting teased by his fellow uh, physicians uh, who said that orthopedic surgeons were too dumb to get published in the New England Journal of Medicine. I don't. Is that a stereotype that orthopedic surgeons can't get published in the New England <laughs> Journal of Medicine? I've, I've that I've famous known, Canard. I've known
0: lots of orthopedic surgeons, and let me tell you, they're the dumbest of all surgeons,
1: dumb as a post. Anyway, hoping to prove them wrong, he wrote up a letter that he thought would be sure to get into the paper, and he named himself Doctor Ho Man Kwok and complained about Chinese restaurants. Whoa! Now, perhaps in 1968, this didn't seem too racially insensitive. <laughs> he he actually uh, he coined coined the name Ho Man Kwok. To sound like as a pun on uh, saying somebody is a human crock, as in a human crock of boy. This is uh, problematic. This was well, strange credulity, even. <laughs> and uh, when the letter got when the letter got published under the title Chinese Restaurant Syndrome, he won his bet, and called up the letter's editor to just be like, "Hey, this, sorry, this was just a prank. There's actually no such thing." And apparently the New England Journal of Medicine... They were so embarrassed they didn't retract it? They hung up the phone on him and, and, and never printed a retraction. Whoa. And so over the following decades, oh. he, he watched with horror as his little accidental defending the honor of orthopedic surgery prank turned into a real health scare in the West, one that still afflicts half of us today, uh, half of us in the Omnibus Project, at least. Wow. Uh. And if you look back at the letters today, it actually true, is true that they do seem very tongue-in-cheek. And, uh, and the people, there was a tradition of people writing into the New England Journal of Medicine with, um, hey, is this a thing? Yeah, right. You know, and describing some kind of phony baloney syndrome. But in this case, he, his accidental Chinese alter ego changed the course of, of American restaurant cuisine. Wow. All the no MSG signs you get today are, are because of this guy. Wow. He says that he never intended the letter to be racist. You know, Chinese food was universally popular where he lived. He didn't think of it as a racialized thing. He didn't think there would be any controversy. And he feels he feels very bad. I wish I had never written the damn thing, he said. And he never got paid back, by the way. He never got paid for his wager. He never got the 10 bucks that his...
0: Well, that's the ultimate injustice calling. of this story.
1: Oh, that's right. He, so, and he died just a few months after coming clean. So so he's it's like the Deep Throat story. Yeah, it's basically... You know, whoever really killed Kennedy is going to have one of these uh, wake-up moments one of these days, and we're all going to know what happened. But at least now we know why MSG was bad. Well, it turns out there's a turns out
0: to that turns out. Oh,
1: I'm getting turns out whiplash. It's
0: the best kind of turns out. You know, Howard Steele claimed to be uh, claimed to have written that letter from uh, Doctor Homan Kwok, Mm -hmm. uh, who was purportedly a uh, researcher at the American. Biomedical Research Foundation. Okay. But then when he revealed that he had written the letter, he said that Dr. Robert Homan Kwok and the Biomedical Research Foundation were both made up. Yeah, part of his joke. But on a recent episode of This American Life, uh, it was revealed that, in fact, there was a Dr. Robert Homan Kwok who did, in fact, work at the real American Biomedical Research Foundation. What that Doctor Robert Ho is died, and uh, strangely, Doctor Howard Steele's colleagues confirm
1: that he wrote the letter. But so both Doctor Kwok and Doctor Dr. Kwok Steel, was
0: real and and at a real institution.
1: And they, so even though both are now gone, they both ha- have next of kin saying, "Yeah, they wrote the letter."
0: Yeah. And one of them is saying that it was fake, and one of them is saying, I, I guess, I guess that it was sincere. So the controversy spirals on.
1: Honestly, if if that guy really existed, there's no way Doctor Steele's account is true. How right? could Doctor Steele? What are the odds that he invented a real Cantonese American doctor with a real Cantonese American name at a real at a real research foundation?
0: Yeah, it's impossible. So either he either he faked a letter and. And just like completely stole a person's identity as a mask. Mm-hmm. I don't even think he could claim that he knew about these people but forgot about them and then
1: no. made them up. But what's up with the alternative? A 97-year-old man suddenly decides to uh, involve to- a fellow Colgate University alumnus in a very bizarre weird, prank historical prank. That he t- then takes to his grave? <laughs> uh, anyway i guess that's another squad like squad goals like in your mid 90s just you know just, confess to killing jimmy hoffa like uh, like just, the irishman did just
0: call up every single person that has an unsolved mystery and say it was me i you got me you got me and then die six months later <laughs> that's brilliant wait until i'm 97 note to self well anyway uh so that addenda is addended by an addenda uh, next up, entry 911.PS9703, certificate number 52178, peak phosphorus. Well, I hope nobody took me on on peak phosphorus.
1: No, you have no corrections Thank goodness. on peak phosphorus, although there, I think there are two corrections of me coming oh, well, up. Well, I, I, But you're, you're into that. Sure, I, I, I soak in those. <laughs> well, speaking of soaking in things, if you'll recall, a lot of the peak phosphorus discussion was about how the Earth's phosphorus is passing through all our digestive systems and winding up at the bottom of the sea, right. which made me very nervous. Uh, and we started talking about urine as a fertilizer, peeing in your garden, and so forth, You know whether you could return the phosphorus to nature right. in that way. We got a note from a uh, a listener in Newcastle, England, I believe, Lindsay Marshall in the northeast of England. Yeah, that would be Newcastle. Newcastle,
0: England. That's the uh, home of the, the great uh, band Venom.
1: Mm, right. Damn. I don't believe Lindsay was a member of Venom, but okay. he says uh, this is how. Th- this is first of all. These are the two ways you want every sentence to start. With regard to peeing in your garden, mm-hmm, that's sure. promising already. Sure. But then li- listen to the next clause. Amongst the competition leek growers of the northeast of England,
0: the competition leek growers. So
1: let's just assume I dream to be amongst them. That there are indeed a bunch of hardy uh what are people from Newcastle called it's New Caledonians or something mm-hmm. odd right new,
0: new, new, new castletons
1: uh who uh have comp- a competitive leak growing i have no trouble enterprise this. no trouble at all do you think they're growing their leaks for size for uh for um shapeliness biomass <laughs> it's like the pumpkin weighing competition how right? many BTUs BTUs can your leak generate you are again referring to <laughs> omnibuses that are not yet released <laughs> um And I guess the secret of growing nice big leeks in Newcastle is applying what they call filtered beer to your leek trenches. Sure. In other words, coming back from the pub, coffee from a civet's butt, unzipping and uh, literally uh, taking a leak, taking a leak on your leeks, all over your leeks. Now I don't know if you should tell the grocery buyers this. Well, these
0: are competition leaks, right? So they're not meant to be, they don't get resold. They get, they get measured. <laughs> are in... you saying
1: this is like horse racing where after the leak is done and wins the competition, you just shoot it? Well, no, they go out to pasture. <laughs> you put the leaks out, you replant them. They go uh, to live on a farm. A leak that good you don't eat all at once. Uh, and he says uh, they, there's another name, filtered beer, I think is charming, but he also says HLA is good for home gardeners trying to get their compost heap. Uh, going and HLA would be household liquid activator. Huh. So these are just, so there's apparently in Newcastle, there are multiple euphemisms for urinating, having a pee, they would say up there on your various uh, having a pee. gardens. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got a pee on your peas. You got a leak on your leaks. Uh, and so that's the secret. If if futurelings, if there's a food crisis in your time, because the leaks you're growing are just too small for your, uh, what do you put leeks in? Vichysois? Uh
0: What do you put leeks in? Welsh well, rarebit. I guess. Uh, no, you don't do it on a Welsh rarebit, but you would put it in a
1: soup, right? A leek, leek soup? Sure. Let's say you're making a delicious leek soup and yeah. your leeks are just too small. You have not been urinating on them enough. They need phosphorus. I'm so glad
0: to learn that that is, in fact, true. I didn't want to hear from somebody that was like, never pee on your leeks. Uh, it's gratifying to know that, I don't know, that we sow the seed in nature grows.
1: But maybe we're now we're going to get the addendum to the addendum. Now we're going to get the angry, uh, the other leek farmers who right. are like, who told you that? Was that Lindsay? Right. Because le- <laughs> he's been telling people this, but let me tell you. You don't want to pee on your leeks. Well, no, it's probably going to be French leek
0: farmers that are like, Oh, mon Dieu, we have not been that. that's is why they keep winning. We defecate <laughs> on the leeks
1: in the Loire Valley. <laughs> we pee in your general direction. John is rocking his head like the French <laughs> character in Holy Grail.
0: Next entry 1292.mt2y2y, certificate number 51274, Texas
1: Zombies. Uh, this was the story about the members of ZZ Top who form right. a fake member of the zombies. We talked a lot about I, – I had just seen the zombies open for uh, Brian Wilson. And so there was a lot of Beach Boys talk. And You uh, heard from Brian. <laughs> Brian says uh, – <laughs> He's in a cat box. <laughs> <laughs> Brian just sent us the lyrics to Frere Jaca over and over and over <laughs> in 100 separate emails. <laughs> Uh, no, we heard from uh, a knowledgeable music person who corrected me and said there is, in fact, no theremin being played on good vibrations. I had always assumed that was a theremin. It's an electric saw. <laughs> it's just a guy going, woo. No, it is something called the Tannerin. The Tannerin. Uh, which was a replica theremin. This seems like splitting hairs. Well, at this point, I don't even know if this is—is is it played with if a tennis racket? True. Uh, I mean, I guess now when Brian Wilson tours, that is not being played on a theremin. Okay, I guess originally it is a theremin on what the single "Smiley Smile," whatever "Good Vibrations" is on, uh, and it was played by trombonist Paul Tanner, who invented the theremin, but. Today, if you hear Good Vibrations played in concert, it's probably on a replica called a Tannerin, which um, two people reached out to tell us uh, is able to produce um, precise and not just relative pitch. Oh. The thing about a Theremin is you can't just play a C. Sure. You, you just, just have to, to stick to your arm somewhere and just get there. Then you can move it accordingly and slide up to the, the so note. So a Tannerin you want,
0: is tunable, or at least you can, it, it's got what, like some sort of. It has a hologram that shows you where in space to put your finger in order to achieve a note. Yes,
1: there's a mock keyboard that okay. you know that has fixed reference points, so the equivalent of a fret board, which tells you put your thing here. It's, it's, it's basically it's theremin for dummies. Right.
0: Put it's your a, thing here,
1: and it looks like a keyboard, but the keys are have been painted on, and you're sliding, you're sliding a thing along it, and there's a volume control knob and a pitch control slide. Okay. Oh, and in fact... Basically, it's just
0: a synthesizer that sounds like a theremin. No, it's a computer program that sounds like a synthesizer that sounds like a theremin.
1: Okay, this is now... Okay, now I believe... I am now looking at the side of the guy who built the Tannerin, and he is confident that it was a tenor in his invention with a, a fixed point. A theremin, my brother has a theremin. It's just a pole sitting in the, it's just an, essentially an antenna. Right. And sitting the, on a block
0: and it's got another little loop at the other side.
1: And the distance between the loop and the and the tower is what gives you the pitch. And uh, that was used in uh, early movies to get that unearthly effect, mostly in movie soundtracks. Mm-hmm. The Day of the Earth Stood Still uses it. Hitchcock Spellbound uses it. Because it didn't have to be it, yes. in tune. It doesn't have to match the other instruments. Right. But if, you rem- if you're if you thinking of the theremin on Good Vibrations or Wild Honey or I Just Wasn't Made for These Times, that, says Tom Polk, was his tanner. And so let's set the record straight.
0: Well, I'm glad I know about this now.
1: We also got a note from uh, a listener named Garth from uh, Ohio, I believe, who wanted to send us well, videos. Wait, was he... In the band, by any chance? <laughs> yeah.
0: Because <laughs> no, if it's Garth Hudson, I'm going to... That I'm,
1: Garth Hudson is from Ontario, I'm I believe. Gonna,
0: well, he might be living in Ohio right now. Who knows that guy? He moves around.
1: Wait, I I have lost track of which members of the band are still alive. Garth Hudson is still alive.
0: Uh, yeah, Garth Hudson is still alive as of the recording of this show and still, uh, still making music. Of all the people that you... When you first met the band... Mm-hmm. When the band first arrived on the scene, Garth Hudson is not maybe the one that you would have thought would survive.
1: Didn't strike you as the healthiest.
0: It's not the one that's going to, I mean, he's like the, he was one of the oldest, if not the oldest member. Uh, And an awful lot of those guys are gone now, but Garth is rocking on.
1: I just like that he now, he now rocks a silvery beard and a, a kind of a flat brimmed black hat. And he looks like. He was in Tom the Bombadil? Maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, he looks like he was in the band for sure.
0: <laughs> but like Rick Danko uh, is gone. We've lost uh, Richard Manuel. Levon's long gone. time ago. Levon's gone. All we've got left is Robbie and
1: and Garth. And Robbie was sustained by the hatred of the other four.
0: <laughs> the thing about Robbie is he's definitely like, uh, he's going to live forever. He seems still very, very healthy. but uh, But he's quite a bit younger than Garth. Right? Like he's, Robbie's like,
1: Six, seven years younger, so. Is that right? Yeah, I just, he just, I just assumed he was healthier.
0: He's also healthier. Mm. Also, he's like, well, he, he, he only played one instrument instead of 40.
1: He works with Martin Scorsese, and Martin Scorsese can use the de-aging stuff from uh, The Irishman on, oh, on Robbie Robertson. Is that a pace to, to keep him young.
0: I have not seen Frozen 2, and I haven't
1: seen The Irishman. Yet. No, what Garth from Ohio sent us is a videos of a local band called The Fender Tones, which was just a bunch of kind of friends and amateur musicians. You wouldn't guess it by the name. Who thought <laughs> who thought they could do the Beach Boys live if they had a really full orchestra and a very, very carefully orchestrated music. Did they have 50 people on stage? They really did. Because and, and this is what Garth is responding to. This is kind of how Brian Wilson tours. But uh, the Fender Tones do the remarkable Beach Boys soundalikes with huge stage full of just buddies Wow. And, so they have uh, they have someone with an angelic singing voice.
0: They have someone that can really play a simple and amazing drum part.
1: And they have a Love guy that everyone hates.
0: And now, the final entry in this episode of Omnibus Addenda. Entry 060.550203, certificate number 36692. Johnny Appleseed.
1: This uh, was also a note from Garth, our supplier of, wow. of amateur Beach Boys fan cosplay. Garth's got a lot to add. Garth is from Bryn, Athen, uh, in Pennsylvania, the modern center of the Emanuel Swedenborg religion, to which, as we reported, Johnny Appleseed was a devout member. Mm-hmm. So much like the Jehovah's Witnesses are reaching out to tell us about their... Um, they do not. They're, have are fallen arches, and their uh, yeah, and their their bosses are very nice, and you know there's probably is some. I would guess there is some social, uh, approbation that comes in the community from from doing your hours. Right. But he points out that nobody's there's no
0: gatekeeper. Nobody's counting.
1: There's no you're not reporting. to Well, anyone. the thing
0: about Jehovah's Witnesses is right. It's a it's like uh, you, if you are one of the elect, you should be exhibiting that with your behavior. Nobody's counting. It's just, if you just, if you were going right.
1: to the great beyond. The angels up in heaven are counting. Here's they, how you would act. They are dancing on the head of a pin, but then they take breaks to write in a book. That's right. The good and bad acts you have done.
0: Slackers don't get on that, that white train.
1: That famous spiritual that we all love, slackers don't get on that white train. <laughs> Clapping on the two and four.
0: Clappers don't get on that white train.
1: Uh, and so he uh, corrected us on a number of the things we said about Swedenborgianism, corrected including us or you. Probably me, but you signed off on all of sure, it. Sure, sure, sure. I nodded and when it said you uploaded yes. the uh, when you uploaded the episode. You were saying, huh. "Yep, <laughs> those mirror my thoughts on Emanuel Swedenborg precisely."
0: So what uh, what does Garth have to tell us about it? First Emmanuel of all, Swedenborg. the pronunciation is wrong. It's Swedenborg.
1: It, it's Swedenborgianism with a. With a, we got the adjective wrong again. It's a soft G. Oh, oh. And, Borgi, Borgianism. Yeah, you can't say Swedenborgianism without orgy, apparently. Sure. Okay. Swedenborgianism. And apparently, this is a, um, this is a bit of a. Uh, I don't know if that one came from Garth. That may have been a, a Facebook. But it is, but
0: it's but his name is Swedenborg. It's yes. not Swedenborg. And
1: and so everyone says it wrong. And this becomes a marker of membership in the community. Oh, if you it's a shibboleth. A, it's a shibboleth, as we often say on this show. Uh, now we pointed out that uh, Emanuel Swedenborg's view of heaven is you would you would get the uh, and heaven and hell is you would get the uh, the the destiny you dreamed of in life oh. if if you loved evil you would get a version of hell where you just keep doing all the fun, evil, evil things you were doing. That's
0: that's the version of hell you would get?
1: Yes. Well, that doesn't
0: make hell sound so
1: bad. No, and that was the point. And, and we, I made the mistake of saying that Swedenborg envisioned a very fun hell. And Garth just wants to point out that no, hell is not fun. God gives you the delusion of having fun, but that's not the same as fun. You just oh, think hmm. you're having fun.
0: Hmm. I've been... I've been worrying about this my entire adult life. Am I really having fun at this party or? what is the illusion of fun not just as fun as fun? <laughs> it seems like to me, I spent a lot of time looking at other people at parties and going, they're just having the illusion of fun while I sat miserable. And then as, as time went on, I was like, maybe the illusion of fun is would have been fine compared well, to just like the truth of being miserable all
1: well, the time. Well, especially in this case where the, the illusion is being created by God. Right. So we presume it's a fairly convincing facsimile of fun. Sure, if I could God's pull- God's not a... going to give you a half-assed fun, hell.
0: No, God's like, yeah, sure. You want to be able to pull a 900 every day at, at the X Games? Like,
1: here you go. But that's not a sin. You don't go to hell for having a good skateboarding tricks.
0: No, but you do go to hell for being a skateboarder. It's built. <laughs> it's built right
1: into it. Tony Hawk's going to hell?
0: I'm afraid so. Aww. I know, I love him dearly, but- he 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 made his choices.
1: Uh, Garth also points out that uh, oh he he. I'm getting tired is, of
0: hearing from Garth. Quite frankly, but is this whose show is this? Yeah, oh, go ahead, Garth.
1: His family, his his friends and family are, are all still uh, Swedenborgians, devout Swedenborgian, although he is not. And he uh, he corrects Johnny Appleseed uh, on. Uh,
0: now he's Sweden- correcting Johnny Appleseed. Wow, what? What hubris. I'll say.
1: The, uh, the, the Swedenborgian roots of his faith that, you know, apple trees uh, should not be grafted right. and vegetarianism is approved of God. Uh, apparently in modern Swedenborgianism, there's not much doctrinal footing for either of those. That, those might have just been personal eccentricities of Mr. Chapman. And even his pastor would have been like, nope, I don't care about grafting. Graft all the trees you want. So, but do the Swedenborgians
0: drink a lot of applejack? Which seemed to be the real motivation of Johnny Appleseed.
1: I don't think they are. uh, I don't think they are. not uh, teetotal. Teetotal. So, yeah, I think you're allowed to drink all the Applejack you want, which.
0: Maybe not all you want, but.
1: I'm making the Jehovah's Witnesses sound better than the Mormons when it comes to their foot comfort. Right. on On the proselytizing trail. And now I'm making the Swedenborgians sound better than the Mormons when it comes to... Uh,
0: they sound like real partiers, and you get to go to whatever hell you want.
1: Which is, is not fun, but seems, seems like very, fun, very fun indeed.
0: As opposed to being stuck, you know, in Orem, Utah, eating Snickers salad. And that concludes the Omnibus Addenda, Volume 2. Futurelings, we thank you for your financial pledges that have made this monumental project possible. We hope that access to these important addenda items has validated your decision to support the Omnibus. It is vitally important that you attach these updates to the original recordings you discovered in their proper context, for the convenience of future browsing by your civilization. We hope that our civilization survives long enough for us to provide you with future addenda to the Omnibus.